McLeod, warning, Supernatural The Crossroads contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. to Supernatural The Crossroads. We are back after a month-long hiatus to talk about Season 14, Episode 14, Ouroboros. I am your host, Thomas Cowley. Joined with me today is Ryan Denton. What up, bishes? Bishes? Yep. <laughs> and Michael Flores. And it has been a full month to the day since we were last left with the 300th episode where we we probably needed that much time to wipe up all the tears and the sadness and and the the fan jizz at the same time mm. that was undoubtedly part of that episode. Mm. <laughs> we definitely needed a a jizz mopper in we the needed, studio. We needed a rag and a, a thing of Gatorade and a nap. Oof. Yeah. Maybe a cigarette. But and an intern. <laughs> what? Is she hot? What? No, it has been That's a month. And we have come back with director Eamon Catterali and writer Steve Yoki getting the ball rolling right out the gate with some horrifying body dismemberment, vivisection, eating the whole fucking shebang, some serious Hannibal Lecter vibes, some I've never looked at cooking so unsettling since I had seen Hannibal. Uh, Yeah, you know, you watch, of course, now all the, you know murder fucking oh he's seen all kinds of the things, murder yeah. porn now is like the whole thing you know with <laughs> with the Dahmer tapes and or the uh bundy tapes every and, other netflix documentary is about who yeah murdered about people. a serial killer so it, like yeah you don't really think about it but like this was just he's like battering the liver and then like throws it off. i was like yeah. okay dude wow. it was unsettling in its casual nature which yes you know kudos to the writer kudos to the director on that it pulled us right in right from the get-go made everybody uncomfortable and i think that's a good a good sign of a strong opener for this show and additionally we had some foreshadowing for the events we would later see by the end of the episode with the snake with the the title alone and with where jack would end up being in many respects by the end of the story mm-hmm. this episode had a lot of different things going on and with a varied degree of this seems like a monster of the week to massive narrative importance. We yep. have an unexpected, a, apparently abrupt end to Apocalypse World Michael far sooner than I think anybody would have expected, especially within context that this is the same episode in which he got out. Which right. We'll discuss that a little bit more right. at length. Um, we had the further progression of Jack's character as a story coming Farther and farther into the dark side, the 
Anakin Skywalker narrative is so much more apparent now. Something that this show here has talked about since his introduction as a character at the very beginning of season 13 to see where he might be going. And it does truly look like that might be the route in which the writers and the, Mm -hmm. the narrative is going. Is he going to make a turn towards a darker path and perhaps be more of a villain for the rest of the season, perhaps even farther? We do plan to talk about that in length because that is the major part of this episode. But we also had Rowena. We get to see a little bit more about her. Always a treat to see her character on the show. But we did learn more about her, where she is as a character, what she truly feels about the Winchesters. And we developed her even more. We've talked before at length that Rowena's character really had reached a narrative end with her death way back in season 11. Right. And it's it's always nice to see that they still can do more with this character given time, given a strong actress, and given a desire to push the narrative farther. She still has somewhat of a story to tell. And, but it is nice to see that, that they didn't bring her back just because it fits this, you know, we need a vessel kind of element. Right. But that it actually can do things with her character and further develop things. It's not just a a crutch. Well, that's why I... I appreciate what the writer, what the writers did this week with that aspect, because if one of my, my biggest pet peeves in television is when you introduce an element into the show only because you know you need it in the same episode. Yeah. And yes, Rowena has been around for a very long time, but for her just to randomly appear in the episode, oh, now I get what you're going to do. It's because you need her to be the vessel for Michael because he's going to escape. Mm-hmm. If they would have just left it like that, it would have been sad. It would have been bad. But because they also decided to give Rowena additional development and show the audience that she's essentially not even a villain anymore. She's Team Winchester full yeah. through and through. And the fact that they gave her that little bit, just a little bit, that helped ease any issues that you might have had when you bring a character like this in for obvious reasons. Well, the truth of the matter is you don't need a lot to have a character's no. development go far in a single episode. Really when we really look at a few at at that concept, it's only ever a few lines of dialogue or a single action it, yeah, that it, speak volumes. It only need yeah, you only need a couple things. I mean, like, and I think that's the biggest thing. We saw that with Crowley last year, right? Yeah. So I mean, it took one one act of uh, of you know sacrifice, self sacrifice, and you're like, oh wow, okay, like so it says a thousand words. It does. Yeah, yeah you don't have it, it, it. That could have been that was. 10 episodes worth of actions in mm-hmm. one thing, you yeah. know, so I guess our words. And I think that that was, that was the whole point. And I, and I, I'm glad they kind of did that, you know, the, with Rowena here yeah. too, as Especially, well. It's important. Like, you don't want to, you don't want to flush down the tubes, great talent either. That's the worst thing. Bring on such a great guest spot like Rowena. I mean, Ruth Connell continually delivers every time she's brought onto the episode. So why even bring an exceptional actor into your show, unless you're going to do something for that character as well. Right. It, it'd be like you said, it'd be an absolute waste. Yeah. So uh, so she, it was good to see her in that light that wasn't wasted as well. So we have we have a lot of things to discuss this episode. But first, we now have some ratings for the 300th episode of Supernatural. And there was a 16 percent increase over the previous episodes this season so far. But surprisingly, that number is still only around 1.6 million viewers. 
which when we look at this isn't a normal episode. This was the return of John Winchester. This was the 300th episode. This was on Entertainment Weekly, multiple different covers, talked about on all kinds of different websites, both fandom and entertainment and television news based. And that's not a great number for that. No, it's not truthfully. Not for something that's as as huge as Jeffrey Dean Morgan coming back. So that's a little surprising to me. Um, only 16%, but 1.6 million, that's pretty 1. low. 1.6 million. That would be, that's, that's, that's slightly, what it used to pull in. That's slightly yeah. above the average of last season. Yeah. This year's average has dropped quite a bit. Which but, is unsettling. So you're competing with yourself from last year with that 1. Yeah. 1.6 million. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm very surprised by that as well. I mean, again, these are also live plus same day ratings, which include the live viewing plus delayed DVR viewing up until 3 a.m. local time of the same day that it broadcasts. Mm-hmm. It's not on demand, but you the can, website. right? But you can get a you can get a pretty good snapshot, yeah, of what you can expect. And the fact that they didn't bring in more during a, a live event that they pimped out everywhere, everywhere, it, even websites that usually don't cover Supernatural, and that could be the fact that you're dealing with a show that's 14 years in the making is anybody no matter how big of a fan they are of jeffrey dean morgan gonna be like you know what i'm gonna watch this one episode never watched an episode before but i'm gonna watch this one season 14 episode 13 look out it's not gonna happen that's why this guest spot felt kind of weird to even have to begin with and honestly i feel like the ratings retrospectively would have been even better if they would have done what we all said kept it a surprise and yep. then suddenly people are like wait wait a second what the fuck jeffrey dean morgan just walked in to the bunker yeah it would have blown people away and then people, that would have been a great viral moment too that's exactly what would have happened people would have gotten to social media and screamed in glee and excitement that it would have created a natural organic marketing mm-hmm. strategy strategy stratego <laughs> yes yeah, strate- <laughs> so it, it would have worked it would have worked that way rather than think about the the countless yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars that maybe millions that they put into marketing this i mean all these well, things aren't what? free yeah for a 16 percent. now if it was 116 percent, i'd say job well done golf clap but for a 16 percent on a year that's not doing that great numbers wise as it is that really did dilute your excitement yeah. from the, from the moment it was teased and announced by Jeffrey Dean Morgan himself mm-hmm. until that air date excitement was spread over a month, essentially had yeah. that taken off like a firestorm yeah, the, on social media. The day it happened, it would have, that would have been truly very interesting to watch. It would have, it would have worked a lot differently. Yeah. A lot. So it also begs the question, why was this not as big as the CW was really probably hoping it would be? Because like you said, you put a lot of money into this. Mm-hmm. What, you know, went wrong in some respects. And I think, unfortunately, we know from our own fandom that some people have tapped out of the show yeah. from two week seasons. Yeah, but also to be fair to Dab and the writing team for the last couple of years, I mean, when you literally post still for still of John Winchester's mm-hmm. appearance, that takes away a lot of the enthusiasm. I mean, Entertainment Weekly had yeah. about 15 different slides from yep. the episode. Then there were other blogs that 
had different frames. Posted other frames. You probably watched the whole episode like, in well, frames. Yeah, you kind of <laughs> know exactly what the scenario is going to be. He's going to be sitting in the bunker the whole time. And Having that's, dinner. That's essentially what happened. So they gave away everything John was going to do. He's going to sit down with the boys and have dinner. That's exactly what happened in the episode. And that's all that really happened. Yeah. It wasn't a hunt. It wasn't a family hunt. It wasn't somehow Yellow Eyes comes back into play since Zachariah and Castiel did and the family takes him out or anything fan fiction-y like that. No, it, but, it, but there wasn't – you're right. There was no – there was nothing that I was going to see different than what I had already consumed through media news. Yep. And this is, again, an example of spoilers are news. And it's not supernatural exclusive. This happens. No, it's on everything. Th- you see this happening on all types of different TV shows now where they feel like over promoting something is going to do the trick. And all it does is spoil things and it gets people a little annoyed. Like I said, we wouldn't even be covering this type of stuff ever on our show if it wasn't for people that would actually get mad for us not Yell covering us. it. Yeah. Like, hell, you guys How'd aren't you covering guys this? Are you idiots? How'd you not talk about Jeffrey Dean Morgan? I, I don't think we have anybody from uh, Arkansas listening. But Arbansas? Arbansas? <laughs> also to say Oklahoma. But. <laughs> yeah. It's, unfortunately, it's, it's, it's good that the show had an increase for that day. It'd be nice to see what some of those numbers are with on demand and stuff after the fact. It's a shame that it's wasn't what they wanted it to be, but I think yeah. th- the reason is very evident. I was disappointed that they didn't get. I was hoping we got like three point five, four million. That would have been it would have been fantastic. Been fantastic. Yeah. Dab would have jizzed all over himself. <laughs> oh my god, four million! <laughs> He's from Arkansas as well. Yeah, Arkansas. <laughs> uh, yeah. Arkansas. <laughs> Well, unfortunately, like I said, it is a bit of spoilers are news. And with that, we have some spoilers and news. Hey, everybody. Ryan, can you give us that article? I sure can. Uh, Supernatural season 14 bringing back fan favorite for finale. I air quoted that. Uh, There's been a lot of excitement about Supernatural bringing back a familiar face for season 14 since a recent tease from the showrunner. They're going to set up Charlie as the villain for next year. Oh, God, I hope so. (laughs) Uh, Well, Andrew Dabb has now gone uh, one further and revealed that a fan favorite will grace our screens once again for the finale. Uh, Speaking to TV Lines, Michael, I'm not saying that guy's last name, uh, the showrunner said (laughs) of the finale, a very significant fan favorite is going to come back. Oh, my God. Uh, he didn't go into detail about who it would be, but we imagine that the fans will delight it, be delighted when the character does appear. What a great Do you article. Think the fact that they're not actually just flat out saying it means they've learned anything. So no, because they're actually talking about it. Like, okay. why do you they're need to, why, why do you need to tell us why that a fan fuck? favorite is coming in? Now it's not going to be a surprise. No matter who it is, it could be Chuck and Amara. It could be Claire. And Lucifer. Oh, don't say shit and like that. Why not? Jeopardy don't, don't Morgan. Don't put that evil on us. Don't you put that evil on us, Ricky Bobby. But the thing is, we know now. We know some shit's going to happen. Just like with Michael at the end of season 13. Dean's going to play a very different character well, at the this, end of the season. This says, I mean. We I, know now. Here, Thanks. Here we go. Dab quote. Uh, <laughs> Dab quote. I, I will say, true to supernatural form, season 14 does not end on every... On an everybody is super happy and hugging note. Uh, bad things are coming as they always are for the Winchesters. Duh, duh. Thanks. <laughs> and the world continues to turn. It says, but I do, uh, I do think that moving into 15, I think that people will be surprised and will be happy in terms of where we're going. Not only in terms of the plot line, but also in terms of our guys and their ongoing growth as people. Right. Do we want to speculate who it might be? 
Um, let's see. I've got two guesses. One that they've telegraphed pretty hard and isn't really a surprise. And one that I just said, fuck it. Let's, let's see what happens. It's Adam. <laughs> this probably is yeah. honestly. Well, so this I think is it's Lucifer. That's the Lucifer. It I has to. Yeah. It, it has to be right. It's, yeah. I mean, yeah. he said character, right? Not actor. Yeah. He yeah, said it, character. Yeah. I'm, I, it's either going to be Lucifer or Charlie. My money was our Bobby or Lucifer. Uh, see, I, I came up with a cool theory, but they'll never fucking do it um, before the show went on, before we you got mm-hmm. here. And I said, wouldn't it have been a, an awesome idea to bring Adam back for Michael's vessel? Mm-hmm. Like, now is the time to do it. You can bury that Adam thing for forever after this, and you're done. But I think you're probably right. It's probably Lucifer. It's probably Lucifer. And the fact that we know that as fans, we He's want sad. Adam to be discussed, brought up, mentioned killed forever Dead. something yes and then in this episode we the the one thing we talked about Guess is apocalypse. What, guys? someone's coming back and it's your fan favorite you're gonna love it i'm gonna love it uh, honestly though i mean i don't without sounding like a like a you know i'm not no this isn't being a troll this is just being it's just an observation yeah observation thank you i was just making fun of dab sorry um we just and I've been saying this a lot on other shows that I do, whether it be Star Wars or Star Trek. We need to move forward. Yeah. If this show is going to continue, which I'm glad it is, we need to move forward. Let's quit treading, retreading on past things, past characters, mm-hmm. past this, past that. Let's move forward. Let's move past what we've already done. Totally agree. We've already yeah. seen Lucifer. Let's move on. We've already seen. Metatron let's move on we've already seen this person let's move on the biggest problem of the last three to four years is now the last two and a half seasons Mm -hmm. is they're literally bringing back things from the past and not really doing anything new with it it's just there it's just hey guys remember them they're slightly different because they're from either an apocalypse world or hey they're back and I love that type of stuff don't get me wrong there's a part of me a fan in me that's like oh it gets really excited but then the the critic in me is saying, guys, if you want your show to last and you have no exit strategy as of right now, then you have to build your show to move forward. We need to move past yep. what we already know. We didn't dwell on Yellow Eyes. We moved to Lilith and to yeah, imagine if they did that. Lucifer. And that's unfortunately what we're seeing. So money says it's Lucifer, even though we we apparently now have seemingly lost a perfectly valid and and worthwhile explanation as to why Adam would come back into play with Apocalypse Michael needing a vessel. But my money says Lucifer. That's just everything's been telegraphing that we're coming back to that. Mm-hmm. Ryan, any, what was your main theory you said? I, that was it. It was just the Adam thing. I, I thought now would be the time to do it. But yeah. I think I'm on the same page with you. It's got to be Lucifer. 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 Lucifer from Arbansas. Yeah, Arbansas. Yep. Lucifer. (laughs) All right. We're going to go to a quick break and we'll be right back to discuss episode 14, Ouroboros. Do you do you do you 
Rain Man Show. The Rain Man Show. Is the UK's second most common STI. The number of cases of the new antibiotic resistant strain is slowly on the rise. Yeah, I like how like we're being attacked by measles, polio, and now a super, super gonorrhea strain. How can we weaponize this? I will infect an entire nation. We will defeat North Korea by giving them gyneria. Thomas, I think you're the perfect soldier. You're the like the STI Rambo because you like men and women. You could just leave me behind enemy lines. Yeah, we'll just drop you there with no condoms. I'm like, get to it. You are our Captain America. <laughs> you're our gyneria soldier. This mission, should I choose to accept it? Our super gyneria soldier. Jesus. It's time to send in our, our super soldier, everybody. You guys remember uh, Vietnam? Yeah, we're going to do it all over again, but we've got to read it this time. <laughs> Send Thomas in. He needs air support over. Find all the loosest sluts in downtown Phoenix and bring them on board the airplane. I'm going to need a bottle of Viagra, six cases of Gatorade. What about the Navy band. SEALs, sir? What about the Navy SEALs? No, 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 no. We need, uh, we need Trixie, Cindy, and Lola from around the corner. <laughs> Thomas is the general. He will lead the charge of the STI invasion. Sir, they don't have gonorrhea. Thomas! Thomas! Yeah, yeah. We need you to go ahead and infect these sluts, sluts, I mean, whores, I mean, ladies, soldiers. <laughs> we have just found our inside man. Mr. President, it would be my honor. To be inside men. <laughs> to do it all. I, I gotta make sure you're fully prepared. Whip your deck out. I wanna make sure there's some discharge there. Come on. Oh. It's not gay. Let me touch it. <laughs> For more Rain Man, visit RainManShow.com. This is Star Wars from the Butter Tank Exclusive. That's operation. However, hey. We don't want to miss it, because what if it ends up being true? No matter how fake it may be, Amidala coming back to life, uh, Lando suddenly having a daughter because someone's also black like him. <laughs> I mean, let's forget the, the subtle racism of that. Is everyone who's black is related to Lando. They're not, Dave? They're not? You mean all black people in the universe is not connected to Lando? Well, remember, there, there, there are people out there that still say Finn, the big surprise is going to be Finn is related to Lando. Yeah. And I'm um, like, wow. Yeah, guys, <laughs> did you guys not learn anything from watching Get Out? I mean, casual racism is the worst form of racism. <laughs> it is. It's when you it don't is. even realize you're being racist, right? I hope it's not just a cameo. Like, I, if he's, if they're going to bring Carl Weathers and give him a, a give fair him shot... Give him, Give him something, something to sink his teeth in. Let's see Carl Weathers, you know, play the role of the lifetime and finally shake off the Apollo Creed funk. He is so charismatic. What if he's related to Lando? I mean, what what if he's... I tried uh, to stay away from that. No, no, I'm just saying, what if Apollo Creed's like Lando's brother? Because he's he's black. Well, yeah, <laughs> according to some people, all black people are related in, uh, in Star Wars. Wars. <laughs> uh, I, th- I think he might end up being Finn's father uh, and... Uh, <laughs> And uh, Lando's brother, that that means Finn is Lando's nephew. <laughs> what happens if they do actually do that? I, I'm probably going to throw my popcorn at the screen. I'm yeah. like, oh, you, <laughs> you, you son of a bitch. You, you sons of bitches. <laughs>
I thought I was looking at my mother's old douchebag, but that's in Ohio. Geek Out Saturdays. And then, like, ants eat your remains. Like, <laughs> those books got real dark. <laughs> for kids. Or, like, one of them, like, you get... This is, the this the is fact that Marvel's for... been doing it for ten years doesn't mean so, it's easy. Hold on, though. Take Marvel out of the equation and forget okay. that they don't even exist. Television has been doing this for decades. <laughs> and I stumbled upon it while I was hunting alligators. And this guy starts whistling at you. He beckons you. So I thought it was a mission, like a side mission. So I went, and then I realized what it was when it was too late. Yeah. I walked in, it's the guy starts And that's doing. how they go out. Like, because the, the rebirth, when they ditched the new 52, because the new 52, they weren't always on the best of terms. They're back together, or, you know, they end up getting back together because they feel something they don't know. They just feel like the universe is pulling them together. Catch up on your favorite Rain Man digital geek shows every Saturday. DC on CW, Back to Tank, Weird West Radio, The Crossroads, and more. Geek Out Saturday on Rain Man Channel 001. Previously on Supernatural, The Crossroads. Uh, One thing, John John left a pearl on... Uh, Sam's Mary's oh, yeah, um, <laughs> neck, so I, yeah. they can use that, right? Yeah. Oh, let it, but let it dry I'm, up a little you bit. Guys, you guys noticed that both the brothers left them alone to go get groceries, right? Yeah, they got a quick hit. They, they fucked. He hit it from behind. <laughs> He's, I smell Bobby. John's, <laughs> John's a, a behind kind of guy. He's a doggy stuff kind of guy. You can tell. Um, <laughs> you okay over there? Are you dying? No, what I'm saying is that what you've if, missed what if, a lot while you've been away. No. I call my penis Lucille now. Come here, it's come got, here. It's got barbed wire around it. Oh god, and lots of blood. Ew, <laughs> lots of barbed wire for your pleasure. <laughs> barbed for your pleasure. Oh. Uh, no, what if what if the left? <laughs> he has a cat stick. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Supernatural, The Crossroads, here to talk about Season 14, Episode 14, Ouroboros. Ryan, can you give us a synopsis, please? I can. I did not know that that was Ouroboros. What do you think that. it was? Ah, fucking Aurora Borealis? I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, Dean, Castiel, Jack, and Rowena track a flesh-eating demigod, but, the ter- but that turns out to not be their biggest threat. So we had Steve Yoki writing this one, Eamon Catterali back behind the camera directing the entire episode. And this season he has had two of the stronger ones so far, Mint yeah. Condition, the fan favorite 80s slasher homage, and The Spear, the mid-season finale that had a bit of a, not exactly diehard, but that that whole we're all going to run up the building and, and we know it's a trap or we're going to go for right. it anyway, action flick element to it, which we were big fans of. and. Steve Yoki has done a great job establishing himself as a writer. He had Nihilism, the mid-season premiere, which we all thought was a great return to the episode. Um, Optimism, Funeralia, last season, various and sundry villains. uh, Advanced Thanatology, Twigs, Twine, and Tasha Baines talked about him to death. The primary element of this episode, without a doubt, has got to be the Jack situation. And... Something that they have clearly been working towards, or we pray to every god that there is and some that we don't know about, that this is what they are working towards, <laughs> that what is happening to Jack has been in the works for a while. Basically, yeah. since his introduction, end of season 12, really beginning of season 13, that he might be becoming 
something to fear. It's not really much of a mystery that much of Supernatural's earlier seasons and character outlines were based on the familiar faces within the Star Wars fandom. It has been discussed by Kripke. We looked through the original pilot script, the original pitch for Supernatural. It is supposed to be a Luke Skywalker homage and a Han Solo with Sam and Dean, respectively. It's It has been a lifeblood part of the show, not just from concept of characters, but the entire idea of the hero's journey, Joseph Campbell, the the archetypes of heroes, who they are, right. their personality, it has been a part of it. Well, the hero's journey, I think, is, you know, it's iconic. It's There's so many different genres that you can talk about that have. If you've ever had a protagonist, you've had yeah, the hero's exactly. journey. So, I mean, this is pretty familiar. I mean, obviously, the, the writing's on the wall there for what they're doing with Jack. Well, um, and it's something that they didn't have with Sam and Dean. They were always the good guys and right. our original trilogy heroes that were going to make it to the end. But now it really does look like we are seeing distinct parallels drawn between the tragic downfall of Anakin Skywalker and the very plausible downfall, betrayal, corruption of Jack Klein. Right. The We've talked about it before in the last couple of seasons, how they've had references to star wars jack himself was watching star wars in season 13 and we could say there's other literature figures you know literary figures that have gone through a tragic story shakespeare's most of his work most that people actually know is his tragedies however some of the greek epics i mean yes oedipus yeah odysseus in many respects is not exactly a tragedy but his life sucks until his life sucks pretty bad yeah you know it's it's stuff that you can claim is has been inspired by other works. However, the ties to to Star Wars are very very obvious. Even some of the direct quotes it seems like have been pulled from Star Wars and placed in here. We've been speculating for a long time now that he could Jack could find himself in a position much like Anakin. He is the chosen one with all of this power. He should be able to do something and yet finds himself in a situation that whether because of circumstance or responsibility or the law or, or code, what have you, he finds himself unable to help despite his great power, which can push you to do dangerous things, especially in a world as brutal as the Winchesters. Yeah. Well, I mean, we always talk about it too. The, the best type of villains are the ones that believe they're doing the right thing. And the ones that you can sit there and contemplate, well, I can kind of understand why he's doing this. And that's, yeah. those are the ones that always hurt you the most, especially too, when it comes from someone who has been built to be likable, mm-hmm. to be someone that you are, are fond of. And I think, you know, they've done a really great job. If this is the route they're going with Jack. Well, it's definitely, it definitely uh, is similar to what they were doing with Sam. The only difference Mm -hmm. is that I think for the most part, we knew that Sam wouldn't go full on evil. It just couldn't end like that. We knew he would make some mistakes. And as we, as we saw, especially in season, the ending of season four and season five, but we always knew in the back of our minds that Dean would save Sam or Sam would find a way to save himself. 
and it would all end happily ever after, right? Right. For the most part, that's yeah. what yeah. we assumed would happen, and that's I, I think that's I think that's, that's what we got. I think really. if you look at the ending of season five, yes, I think you can say this. But with Jack, we can go the distance. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest difference. Jack isn't Sam and Dean. He's a a side character that has been shoehorned in in a good way, and he's worked wonderfully, wonderfully within the story. And now that he has captured our hearts. It's the perfect time to hurt us. We need to destroy us. Yep. They need to destroy us. And We've never had the benefit of having a villain quite like this. There's Again, there's been similarities. Castiel was the villain of season six, yeah. arguably. Uh, we loved him. But at Dean the same time. could have been a villain in season 10. Yeah. This is the time where they can pull that trigger. Let's go the distance. And the more you see, they're playing with those Star Wars parallels and direct quotes that Anakin said at at a few points this week as well. They've got to do it. They've got to pull that trigger. The next episode you see Jack and he says, if you're not with me, then you're my enemy. And then he does this sweet backflip and then him and Sam like start going at it. And now you suddenly make me hate Star Wars. I know, right? But you're but you're absolutely right, Mike. This is the time to push it. This is something that Supernatural hasn't ever really done. Castiel went the closest to that route, but they still pulled him back because he was doing it for the right reasons and the Leviathans and Crowley corrupting him and Raphael was a greater threat. So you had these excuses as to why he wasn't truly that bad. But we're at a point where Jack has been pushed into the corner all season. Since the end of season 13, he has been without power. He has been helpless. He has watched people he loves care about and the ones he cares about die while he's done nothing. Or when he has done something, it comes at a great cost to himself. And this is stuff straight out of Star Wars with Anakin Skywalker. Say what you will about the prequels, but season two and or season episode two and three are very heavy with this idea that. He had the power. He had no reason that he couldn't have saved people had he been there, had the order, Jedi Order, let him do it. If Jack had his powers, had Sam Castile and Dean let him hunt or use his powers to save people, he's been fighting with the fact that he can't save everyone since season 13. And at the same time, we have to remember, he's a kid. He is a child in the most truest sense. He is less than or about one years old, truthfully. Two, I think now one and a half maybe yeah, something like that in reality that is how old he is despite his age and his ability in dog years he's seven in dog yeah. years he's seven so he has <laughs> to go through a lot to understand the pain of this world that is a lot of what castiel tries to get across to him this season that that conversation about life about death loss things that for him, he doesn't understand. And as a kid, it's something you don't truly understand. Something that we deal with when we first lose a pet, whether it's a goldfish, a cat, or a dog, that is when you really first come to terms with it. And and thinking of how much that hurts, that's not something that talks to us, that cares for us, that sacrifices itself for Your our... Your dog doesn't talk to you? I don't get that He's high. not son of Sam. I, I don't get that high, exactly. Oh, okay. <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, Jack is having to learn about this very, very quickly because of the lifestyle of a hunter. Right. These things, the the fact that he says, what's the point of being a cosmic being if you have no power, like if everybody around you is going to leave? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that is Anakin's argument the whole time. I almost could hear him verbatim say, 
I will even learn to stop people from dying. I, I just see right there that when he said that, all I saw was, we grant you uh, the seat on the council, but we do <laughs> not, not grant you the, the rank master. Yeah. What? But it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a very obvious parallel, but I think that is for the best. If we push it to this level, it will do something that the show hasn't done before, which is really make us hate love somebody we love well you're building uh how awesome would it be the end of this year or even next year we find out that for the last three or four years we've been watching the origin story for our greatest villain oh we've never had that opportunity before yes kripke slow played the lucifer angle uh, all the way back to season one and it didn't really come about until what season five or into four or five and he found he found ways to slow play that but um, but we've never actually seen. But our- that was a villain who was ready once he was introduced. Yeah, we've never seen someone fall from grace quite like this. Yes, retrospectively, if this is the route they go, it could fix many of the issues that we've had mm-hmm. with seasons twelve and thirteen. Because it really could. you suddenly can go back and look at the episodes or the season for what it was. It wasn't about this villain. It wasn't about this villain. It was about Jack. Jack. It was about Jack. Then suddenly we look at the seasons. We're like, holy shit. Now we see what they're doing. But that only can happen if they actually do it, if they pull the trigger. And I mean, again, there are allusions to this being the way they're going with the exact with the same phrasing. Like you said, quotes, he says, I am not a child. I am the son of Lucifer. I am a hunter. I am a Winchester. Sounds an awful lot like another Star Wars reference of I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Now, admittedly, that's Luke, but it still plays in directly to the Anakin tragedy. Yeah. And I could easily see if Jack goes down the evil dark route, the very end, Dean saying, you're a Winchester, like us, kind of directly tying into that season, episode six quote again. And it would be the only thing that would get through to him when he's on this power hungry thing, especially if we've got a, a Jack that has less and less soul moving on much like darth vader the farther you go into the dark side the stronger the more powerful you can become the more tempting it is to do so to keep going why wouldn't we continue down that route and this beyond our obvious love for star wars and the references that have been laid throughout there was a fair amount of symbolism in this week with the gorgon with the snake with the, as Ryan says, the Aurora Borealis, the or- Aurora Borealis, <laughs> the Ouroboros that could convey some of these similar ideas. You know, the the Gorgon in this episode, which, first of all, great fucking start. Creepy as fuck to just have people being eaten at yeah, the it dinner was, table. It was pretty fucking Again, creepy. Unsettling. But the main thing that the Gorgon brought across in this episode was that parable about the snake and the egg. And some of the, I will give Steve Yoki a a lot of credit for how he wrote some of the actual dialogue where it's like, I did not see you now, or I did not see you, but now I do where Jack's own future is not very clear. He is an enigma. He wasn't really relevant a lot of this season he's been to the sidelines he's been a kid with no powers he's been ineffective unhelpful right weak and powerless but now as of this episode at the end of this episode we see him for what he could be 
for better or worse in many respects. Ryan, can you read that that story of the black snake and the eggs? Yes. So Chicken left her nest for only the shortest moment when Black Snake slithered out of hiding. In no time at all, he swallowed the final egg. It slid down his throat easily, but when his muscles squeezed the egg, it did not break. It only became firmly lodged in the throat, cutting off his air supply. Black Snake twisted and turned, trying to crush the egg or loosen it so he could breathe. By the time the chicken returned with the rooster, the struggle was over. Black Snake would steal no more eggs. He was dead. I'm sure he died never knowing why the egg didn't crush, crowed the rooster. How could he have known? Clucked chicken. That egg was hard-boiled. Now, this is a story from African folklore that, as Castile said, has some conversation points about greed and destroying, as he said, destroying what you love to destroy what you hate right. at the same time. But the thing that makes this more interesting as far as Jack is concerned is because the Gorgon says he when he looks into jack's future he doesn't know whether he's the chicken or the snake and that's something that i could easily see some people being like well this is what the fuck does that mean or or kind of glossing over that entire concept it means it's fantastic that's what it means that was yeah. one of my favorite parts of the episode <laughs> yeah, because really good. it's i was captivated as, as the gorgon delivered that i was like then what happened yeah <laughs> what's next i would have been the dumbass hunter that got played because he was buying time because <laughs> yeah. I wanted to hear more about the story. What it mean, chicken? Yeah, that's fucked up, man. <laughs> like, What's another? Can you tell me another bedtime story? Yeah, right. No, but it, you're right, Mike. It is a good, it's a great setup for Jack because it leaves a lot of questions as to where his path could go, what could be expected of him. Yeah, and there was a lot of meaning behind that as well because you immediately start thinking, okay, well, what is he? Is he the chicken or is he the snake? And then at the end of the episode, what does he do? He literally he eats. He literally consumes Michael. What he's trying to which, destroy. Which Michael could be the hard-boiled egg. Could be. There's a there's a setup there. Now, either A, Michael's not dead, which would be kind of silly at this point if we kill yeah. him, get rid of him, sideline him, bookmark him. Tied him up him in back. a room. Always oh, fine now. Well, he's a threat. Nope, never mind. Yeah. Fuck it. If whatever happens to Adam, or I should say, Jesus, Adam. <laughs> Adam, if wow. Who? When, when did we he don't sh- know who that who, is. When did, Adam? He, when did he show up? Fuck, I missed that. Burn that copy of the script. There is no Adam. Yeah. So, where was I going with what that? Happens Adam, to Jack sure. With Michael being absorbed. Yeah. That's. That remains to be seen. You cannot have Michael be built up this entire year to have him end like that. Otherwise, we have a whole Asmodeus situation. Now, I'm not yeah. saying he can't be dead. He can, but his death needs to mean something to Jack. Otherwise, what was the point of the Gorgon's story, the folklore he used? What yeah. was the point of him saying, I can't quite see who you are? And then the way he did it. There's other ways we've seen Jack kill characters and kill creatures. But the way they did it, it was like he was devouring the Mm -hmm. essence of Michael. It wasn't just a simple, I'm going to steal your grace like we've seen in the past. This was full on devouring. And, you know, in that very fight, we have the concept of the snake and the egg. He's burning off his soul, burning what he cares about to destroy what he hates, which is Michael. And then like the snake right there, he consumes Michael for power and, and it really could go either way. So, and and the thing is this could still very easily play into the Anakin Skywalker 
oh, storyline yeah. because at the very end of the episode, he says, I'm me again. And as he gains this power, does that not just leave him to believe he can do anything that he is just powerful enough to stop people from dying that no one can question him because the greatest threat the universe had faced at that time, he, he defeated with relative ease. Now, is there any thoughts that this can also be yet again, an elaborate trap set up by Michael? A ruse. You know, did he want to be consumed like the hard boiled egg? To be like a parasite and take over from within? Yeah, maybe that's the only way he could get inside of another vessel, a a more powerful vessel that he doesn't need permission from? Perhaps. I mean, we already know he experimented a whole lot. I think that's asking the audience to To make some huge jumps and leaps, but... That's a risky as fuck move, uh, too. Yeah, yeah. That's the strength of this episode for me, because it was posing multiple questions without really leading us in a definitive direction they were allowing us as the audience to draw our own conclusions and i actually like that part quite mm-hmm. a bit i i don't i'm not really a big fan of when tv shows just spell everything out for you and then we do this are you paying attention because i'm gonna tell you again now we do this yeah <laughs> but with only a few more episodes left in the season we have what six episodes left six, yeah I mean, where do we go from here? Do we have enough time to introduce a new threat before the end of the season? Um, there are other things in the works, like Lucifer's potential rise, as Again. we have seen the cosmic entities that have, or the cosmic entity that has threatened Kaz. But at this point, all of it would feel, I think, like filler. Uh, whatever the big issues will end up being, it's going to have to be something directly tied to the myth arc. It can't be something that was introduced. You guys remember that? We said that yeah. five or six episodes ago. That's why I'm I'm leaning towards the fact that this is all about Jack. I think I think we could easily have it still be about Jack. Whether or not Michael is some sort of parasitic life form trying to whisper in his ear like right. the one ring at this point. Mm-hmm. Or if Jack, by consuming Michael's grace, takes on some of his personality perhaps or just believes he's untouchable now, we could still go down a route where – he becomes the villain. For example, if Lucifer does return, I, I don't know what kind of narrative push of leap of faith we'd have to have to where he could actually pose a threat to Jack in his current state. But it is possible he did consume Nephilim grace. That would be that has been rumored to be the reason as to why he might even re- be able to return in the first place. Right. But now that Jack has defeated Michael, could he think to take on the cosmic entity in order to save Castiel? Because he is all about saving people who matter to him. And that could be an egg that he can't swallow. Yeah. That could easily destroy him. I So you could still tie these other elements in. But I do believe Jack needs to be I, that there's no reason not to make him the villain. It is the strongest push you have. And these other things can tie into it. Absolutely. But but they lead us down this dark path. There's a lot they've set up over the past two last two and a half years that they can pull from anything to strengthen this whole Jack situation a bit more. And I think that's the the best part about it would be that it would still fit in. It would make seasons twelve through fourteen feel a lot more cohesive if that you didn't need a main villain because the main story was the the creation and and story of Jack as a character. Give us that strength 
because we don't have a villain's strength from out these previous seasons. I just think that, like Mike said, I feel like this would be really a a weird way of finishing off Michael by building him up this this yeah. strong out of nowhere, and then all of a sudden he's just gone. I mean, it there's got to be some there's, ramification. There's something right? more to it. Well, I yeah. just feel think like about there Billy. Is. Billy, according to Dean and Billy, if Michael escaped, it would be the end of this world. Does uh, yeah. that necessarily mean by Michael's hand or does Jack potentially the end of the world? Yeah, that can mean he's a got lot Michael's of grace. Would that not count in some respect? Yeah, because that's what I got. I didn't get the idea that Michael, no matter what, it just all said roads the world lead would to the burn. Dis- right. It didn't say Michael would do it, but what he did causing Michael to break through from Apocalypse World pushed put Jack. things in motion that would end badly. Yeah. I, I think that has I think that's the most logical place we take this and it would be yeah. a big slap to the feels for sure. And the balls. And the balls. Right in the dong. <laughs> <laughs> so we did get some new lore with the Gorgon as well as the symbolism. We talked about that a little bit uh with the snake. But outside of that little bit of African folklore, we can also look at the title of this episode and and what is that, Ryan? <laughs> Aurora Borealis. That's what it's and, called, right? And learn a little bit there. <laughs> so the Ouroboros is a circular symbol depicting a snake or occasionally a dragon swallowing its own tail and has been a symbol for wholeness, infinity, uh, something that can go on forever. And in this episode, we do have a little bit of that tied directly into Jack's storyline. The snake shedding its skin, for example, is that we first see that in the very beginning that Jack picks that up is not a it's not a mistake. Yeah, they literally mention it. Yeah, there's got to be a reason why. Because in that case is is a very physical example of rebirth, of shedding what you once were to grow into something new. And with the Ouroboros traditionally meaning or uh, with serpents traditionally meaning fertility, rebirth throughout a lot of different mythologies and symbolism, they have a direct tie to life, to the life force. I mean, really, when you think about it, the Ouroboros could be even seen as the circle of life. It's it's something must be consumed or die for something else to continue. Right. And it's, I don't think it's a, it's very much not a mistake that Michael's grace and being was a circle, in a circle before Jack. consumed by Jack to give We're, him new life. There was a there was a shit ton of meaning in this entire episode with the with just everything the way the visuals pertain. It's the way, all symbolic. It's the all super symbolic. Was amazing this week. Yeah, I, that that's that's what leads me to believe that with with the whole you know Michael not being completely gone. I just they went out of their way to be really symbolic this episode. Well, I, and I'm happy about that because that is visual storytelling. It's right. something that we can pick up on with repeat watches or just you know if you are well versed in a lot of this stuff and you didn't think it was Aurora Borealis, <laughs> you know, it's something you can pick up on rather than what so many shows do, which is hey, so this is what it all Here's means. Here's what happened. This is what it meant. All right, let's just draw it on the board here for everyone Exposition to see. Exposition for 10 minutes out of a 40-minute episode. Yep. You know, and it really did see Jack's rebirth in many respects. He shrugged off who he once was, this this cowardly version of himself, to his own risk, consuming himself in order to be reborn 
by defeating Michael. I heard like if you take out your bottom two ribs, you can consume yourself. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't know about that. I just, I heard that rumor. I'm not sure. You might have to Google it. Well, when you get back from your surgery in Japan, let us know. Yep. (laughs) No, but there is a lot of that throughout the episode deliberately, like you said. And it even goes farther with the Gorgon itself. The, we see the consumption of flesh, which is, you know, something we've seen throughout the monsters storyline forever. That's just part of it. Although I will say, and this is something we talked about prior to the show starting, I would have loved had that been his actual house where he actually lived yeah, that'd be, that'd for be a cool. couple of different reasons. One, Eamon Catterall, directed breakdown, our best episode of season 13 very disturbing where it talked about how most monsters are not the ones who they hunt that they find. Most of them are just people living their life. So as if it was like some sort of like Safeway fries, grocery delivery, I thought somebody might've like brought the dead body (laughs) to the guy's house. And he was just, that's just a day in his life. Yeah. You know, I would have thought that would have been a nice tie to break down. I would have thought that would have been, it had a very creepy, you know, seven serial killer vibe to it obviously Hannibal Lecter but it would have been nice to see that continue rather than just oh he broke in and nobody asked any questions yeah nobody said anything yeah yeah but you know we have as we saw with the Gorgon the story of the snake and the chicken the ending where Jack essentially consumes Michael fits into this a, a pattern of symbolism that Steve Yoki was working on this week Again, the the entire episode, heavy with symbolism, uses the idea of consumption of the body, life as a way to continue a new life, rebirth. It's it's very much throughout the entire symbolism of this episode. Now, you know, cannibalism within mythology is far it's been around too forever. common, yeah. far too too broad for it to to point to one instance and say that. That is proving the point, but it's safe to say that Yoki was purposefully connecting all of this. What we see in the very beginning of the episode directly ties to the end scene of the episode, both from a visual and a, and a metaphorical stance, really. And I do like that. In many ways, the episode is full circle. Yeah, 100%. And again, it all really does revolve around Jack. That episode had more to do with him than anybody else. It was kind of nice to see that. He has been on the sidelines for a little bit. It was nice to see something different with him. All right, guys. Get more Supernatural The Crossroads every month with the Patreon-exclusive shows. Retrospective reviews starting with the very first season. Specialty shows. Bonus discussions with additional thoughts and topics not included in the regular show. By subscribing, you help us maintain the quality of our show, and it keeps us in the studio. So head on over to patreon.com slash Digital and subscribe. Yeah, do it now. <laughs> so let's talk about Rowena. Yes, let's, let's talk about Rowena. What, what part of Rowena do you want to talk about? Right? I want to talk about all parts of Rowena. Um, the ones that are not as visible um, when she's on screen. Okay, on that note. She wanted to bang Cassiel. Yes. Like full on, Lucky right? bastard. <laughs> I wonder why. Like, obviously Cassiel can't, like, he's only had sex once, right? That we know of. Oh, fuck. Has it only been once? One time. So, like, 
clearly he doesn't know what he's doing. Like, literally, yeah, his he, penis he, is probably the, roughly the size of the uh, Empire State Building. Well, if he's the size of the Chrysler Building. You know, that means his dick is like at least he's what, got a 10 story at least dick the size of the Bank of America dick. building here in downtown Phoenix. At yeah, least he's got. Yeah, he's got. A, That's true. It's probably pretty That's, thin, though. And Rowena, let's be honest. She's the size queen. She, oh, oh, she yeah. absolutely yeah. is. Yeah. She's not just letting any, you know, Chrysler building up in there. Sorry, Thomas. Point oh. <laughs> nine, man. It just it missed yeah. it by that much. Missed it by that much. <laughs> Damn. No, we talked a bit earlier in the beginning of the show that. There was some practical reasons as to why Rowena had to be within this episode. The fact that they needed a character who was, you know, within reason that we would logically buy would be strong enough to be possessed by Michael. Right. The events of her being unbound within season 13 definitely gives us a leg up on her as a as a powerful figure. For sure. So it made sense there. And it's also great to have, if you have a strong actress, why not give her a a great moment in the limelight as this new age villain, even though she is somebody we like at the same time, this new team Winchester member, which they always come around. They always do. They always come around. I mean, if they're around for more than two or three seasons, they always come around to being part of team Winchester. It's just, you know, they can can always win you over. That's why I believe in, in, on, you know, one-on-one physical dating, meeting people at the bar because you can win them over with, with, with funniness. Whereas if there was a swipe right app, Dean D- and Sam probably wouldn't get enough chances. Well, let's be <laughs> honest. They are good looking guys, but they're dressed like, you know, like serial killers getting their clothing from the army surplus store. Isn't that what, uh, that one woman said in season eight, they come off as that, that creepy vibe. Yeah. A little bit <laughs> creep vibe for sure. Uh, listen here. I'm not trying to wage war against listeners. Like, Oh my God. Seventeen are not creepy. I'm just saying what they said. Well, season eight. <laughs> no, you're right. That does make sense for them because I mean, with that many issues, that they're lucky that they get anybody to say hi to them at this point. Clearly, the town thinks Sam's a borderline molester. <laughs> like, yeah, borderline. <laughs> you want us molester. to give a girl's an underage girl's address and location <laughs> to you? Yeah, and then Dean's like, "Hey, I'm like cool, like Michael Jackson." So like cool. Really, the underage kid that's, and you're going to talk about That's, that's exactly why I said that, because of what's going on right now. I'm Jesus. cool like Michael Jackson. Yeah. Diddling. He got away with diddling. Did he, though? Yeah, he did, technically. He's if he, dead. If he, he died, does, do you yeah, get away with it? That's getting away with it, dude. That's the easy way out. He would have gotten away with it with, if it wasn't one those, those damn kids. One of those meddling kids. Wow. Jesus. All right. Those so, diddling kids. Oh. oh. So Rowena was brought back. Obviously, she made sense from that. They needed somebody powerful enough, but they also used her character in a strong way, in a good way to have her have some narrative growth. It wasn't just, hey, she'll fit the mold. She's somebody who can do a stand in like a cardboard cutout or, or you know, a jacket. We just need somebody to wear this for a minute, but that she actually further developed into the character that we've all known she is for right. some time now, the, the character that we love that has fit that Crowley role so well and pushed the story in and is somebody who asked the question that none of the others want to ask. And that is what the fuck's going on with Jack? What did you do? Is this safe? And I think it's very important that she asked those questions this episode, not only because we see her true nature, that she is somebody who would 
who would say yes to Michael to save everyone else that shows that she really has changed. She is not. She's not. That she's, selfish not cal- she's not callous anymore. She's not yeah. the same person she was from season 10 when yep. we can deliberately point out a massive change in character. That's a good setup. And we also see that she cares enough about Jack to ask those tough questions that Sam, Dean and Castiel don't really don't want to address in any way. So it was nice because we got to see who she really is at this point in and time. how she's progressed and onto team Winchester the way she has. Yeah. yeah. It's nice, you know, and there are only six episodes left of this season. So now I think it's time we get to, we start theorizing as to what the fuck is going to happen because with Michael taken off for all intents and purposes, taken off the board, if it's fair game now, I think, Jack is still the clear and present choice. But with six episodes leading up to that, you need something else to push him. Something has to be the. So, I mean, Ryan, do you, thoughts, any theories that you'd want to I think throw I, out there? I feel like it has to be. Michael's obviously not out of play yet. I mean, I just don't think he is. Or if he is, his his gambit was being able to be consumed by Jack. That's such a risky move. And take over. I feel like really for him, like if you really think about his chess moves and what he's done and being, being locked away inside of Dean for as long as he was locked away. And then to come out of, uh, Dean's head Mm -hmm. in this episode and then to be immediately killed just doesn't make sense to me. Well, unfortunately we've seen something very similar happen just a season ago. I know as Mike pointed out to me very obviously before we started, Around the same exact time within the season. I just, for them to do it twice would be a slap to the dick. Mind boggling. I'm going to use the word mind boggling because it just doesn't like even I, as the third wheel of this show and the idiot on the show, look at this and go, (laughs) holy shit, that is the dumbest shit ever. You can't honestly do that again. Yeah. You can't honestly do that twice. So for me, I feel like something has to, this has to be part of Michael's plan or somewhat, uh, or, you know, maybe even an offshoot of he didn't have this plan, but that's kind of how it went down. Maybe. Um, or just like some kind of corrupting influence. Yeah. On, on, on Jack. I just, they, they have to either have Jack go down the evil route and use the hero's journey and have him go. And, and they have to do it this way. Cause I told Mike, you know, before, before we even started the show that, now you fully powered Jack again. Now, how do you explain him hanging out with Sam and Dean and helping them when he is fully powered now? Mm-hmm. Right. So now, because we've well, got somebody like Castiel, t- you you can't have Superman just on the bench. Yeah, nerf. You've got to nerf him again, right? Or he becomes or, the bad guy. Yeah, that's the only. That's my only thought process on that. So, Mike, what about you? Any theories? Any thoughts as to what we do now with six episodes still? 25 plus percent of the season my money is all on jack you don't have an episode like this filled with symbolism that if interpreted correctly could suggest or does suggest that all roads point to jack so either jack is going to stumble and show us his fangs or something bad will happen if you take into account the story that the gorgon told this week there's got to be a point to that story. You don't do that because it's snazzy. No. You do it because it's purposeful. So there's something we can glean from that story that was told, that piece of African folklore. 
So if we look at this, the episode as telling us what's going to happen, if there's anything that is pointing those arrows, it's, it's that story and what happened with Jack. So Jack will be the problem moving forward. What that entails remains to be seen, but it's going to have to revolve around him. I don't see them being able to take six episodes and bring about a new threat unless it's Jack or Michael. Even yeah. the Lucifer things are too late for that. We're six episodes left, and now you're going to show the the rebirth of Lucifer yep. again. We're assuming that's who we saw what uh, several mm-hmm. episodes back, episode seven. Yeah, in the empty, unhuman nature. Yeah. So yes, there's a lot of moving parts, but I think the logical direction would be Jack. Yeah, I agree. I think Jack makes the most sense. It is the richest vein to tap. It is the best possible way to do something new that that not necessarily fixes but definitely gives a lot more credibility to seasons 12 13 and currently 14 right if this is what we're doing if it is a different take not a villain for multiple seasons but we watch the birth of a villain over multiple seasons with the tragic element of them being family at this point would be all the more painful i think that if you don't tap on that you're well, they've they've, well, built, they've built him up enough to where at this point too for us it is tragic it is tragic because we've yeah. grown to really like this character so and also it's the only way it's going to work because yeah. just like uh brad and brad joe in our chat on facebook says both uh michael and asmodeus got burned alive in the bunker okay yes that's correct he says ironic but that's exactly what I was thinking. It, it, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. the, when Michael got killed. I was like, fuck, we just had another Asmodeus scene yeah. where the big bad is built up and then they amount to nothing. Now, as whereas last year, it kind of fizzled. The only way that we don't feel that way is if Jack is the threat. Mm-hmm. Because then it would make sense that they killed him, that Michael was what nudged our unsuspecting villain in the shadows forward. There has to be motivation. If Michael just is killed and there's no ramifications, then we're all left feeling the way we felt when they did this with season 13. Unsatisfied. Yeah. And blue balled. Basically the way I feel after sex. (laughs) Jesus. Get a new girlfriend or be gay. Maybe you're gay. What? I'm just saying. (laughs) Wow. Maybe uh, you don't like women. That's what I'm suggesting. <laughs> Jesus. I'm not saying it's as an insult. I'm just, wow. I, think, I like how he took it as an insult. No. <laughs> All right. Let's give it our, our final thoughts. Then we'll read some of our fans thoughts. Ryan, what do you give this episode overall? Um, uh, I'm going to give this one a B. Uh, I, and the only reason I'm giving it a B is because of the, the, the 35 minutes of, technically filler mm-hmm. and 15 minutes of actual story because we're winding down towards the end of the season here. It's time to shit or get off the pot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I enjoyed the episode. Um, I think that uh, the story with the Gorgon was really cool and it, it, I think it could have been its own thing. It could have been its own episode. I think I would have been a little bit more into it if it wasn't just kind of yeah. a throwaway kind of thing at the beginning of the episode here. Um, I, I think the symbolism in the episode was amazing. Uh, I think they did a really good job of just 
like you said, bringing it full circle in the episode and then with him telling the story and then at the end with Jack, I, the visuals were amazing. I think some of the shots, uh, the CGI and some of the shots, the Hadouken, was, the Hadouken was bad. I, I will say I did enjoy the Hadouken. It's much uh, better than tightrope flying. Yes. The, the wire fighting team, um, <laughs> didn't look so hot last season. Uh, this was actually cool. Uh, I don't think we've ever seen anybody Hadouken anyone on this show. I don't think it's always been like invisible. Yeah. This was kind of cool though. I like how yeah. they did it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the episode. I thought it was really good. The last 15 minutes was really good. Rowena was amazing in this episode. Um, yeah. So this is a B a solid B for me. Um, but like I said, this is now going forward. We've, like I said, we got to shit and get off the pot. Mm-hmm. Mike, what about you? Final thoughts. Huh? <laughs> All right. Um, at first watch, I'll admit, I didn't care for the episode. I said, wow, we are back here again. What happened to Michael was very, very similar to how they got rid of Asmodeus mm-hmm. almost around the exact same time as last year as well. I have a big problem with episodes of television that purposely retread. No, no, no. Purposely orchestrate events in an episode for the sole purpose of a fix in the same episode or even two to three episodes later. It doesn't strengthen my confidence in a showrunner's ability to use forethought. But instead, uh, it's a good example of a blind squirrel hoping to find a nut. You get right once. This episode, however, in the end, did not do that. They utilize elements that have been talked about and introduced way ahead Things we've been speculating about for quite some time. I think most of us knew the only thing they can do with Jack this season is exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. It's safe to say once they brought, uh, what's her name? Lily Saunders. Yeah. Lily Saunders back. We all kind of figured this would happen to Jack. Using that as a form of, I don't know, suspense to create some potentially severe ramifications. All of that works. Uh, I really dug the scene between Castiel and Jack, uh, Jack's inability to understand the nature of life and death and how he factors into all of that. Uh, Rowena as a character always just gets better. Every single time she appears, she makes an appearance on the show. Uh, The way Michael was killed seemed a bit anticlimactic. They put so much emphasis on Dean taking on the burden along with the idea of drowning that it just felt like all of that was just simply distraction so that we wouldn't pay attention to the obvious direction they would take, which is Jack. And I'm okay with distraction because it works, but when the distraction amounts to a two or three episode arc and you go back to watch those episodes and realize how much time they put into that idea Mm -hmm. and it leads to a dead end. Yeah it starts to look a lot less like distraction and more like story filler in a season that's already three episodes le- less. Actually mm-hmm. four, because let's count the 300th episode as well. So mm-hmm. we're dealing with 19 episodes, and if the whole idea of, of Dean doesn't come into play, you just sit back and wonder, why? Why'd you do that? It was all about distraction. You didn't want us to think the obvious, what was going to happen with Jack. Um, and it is my belief Dab may not know how to maintain a proper myth arc for more than a dozen episodes, but I will wait until the end before I say this with absolute certainty. I'm just seeing a lot of the season has been strong, but I'm starting to see cracks, the mistakes he made last year around the exact same time. Mm hmm. It's almost like he went to his playbook. He's like, fuck, I don't remember what we did. Oh, oh shit. We did the same shit. Yeah. Oh, fuck. 
I, I can't do his voice like you can. So I just, <laughs> I told myself I wasn't going to do it anymore. Is that like a B, but waiting to see the, the episode that we got Yoki's work was solid. Mm-hmm. The use of symbolism was fine. The episode was fine. My issue isn't with the, the actual episode. My issue is with the evolving story that yeah. this episode's a part of. Does that make sense? Hmm. So it's really hard for me to grade this episode because as a standalone episode, it was fine. I love the use of symbolism and how they introduced the Gorgon. For sim- Essentially, it was just there to strengthen that symbolism because right. of the connection to snakes yeah. and the renewal of life and transformation and all types of good things that we just went over. But when you take this episode and you look at it from afar and, what it, and, what, it repres- and what it represents as the whole picture you start seeing some issues that you saw yeah. last season. And I'm hoping that that won't happen. And that won't happen if they pull the trigger on Jack. Yeah. If they, yeah, if they don't, if they, if do they that, don't, right. then a lot of this will mount to like shrugs and like, what the fuck? I think, I think you're right. Uh, this episode on its own wasn't bad. It definitely does kind of feel like two different ideas because there's the Gorgon and the foreshadowing and where Jack might be going. With See, the- I disagree. I disagree. I kept hearing you guys saying that and I was kind of working on some stuff behind the scenes so I couldn't pipe in, but I, I disagree. I feel like this episode's seamless all the way the, through. The themes, the the metaphors, what we're trying to say within this episode all is very tight and very all on one. the same page yeah. as like, like you said, it's all one, like the Ouroboros symbol. It's just like, it felt like to have Michael's end. If this is truly the end to be the last 15 minutes well, on an episode that felt very different. And I don't necessarily yeah. put that on this episode. As you said, yeah. I put this on, is this us yeah. retreading the mistakes of season 13 with Asmodeus? We had a lot of great stuff with Asmodeus talking to catch about the nature of who he is and trying to fit in despite his flaws. And then nothing happened with that character. You know, catch catch escaped in like the, what truly was the worst security of all time. It just doesn't amount and to it anything. didn't amount to anything. And I think this episode, I will give this one a B plus because it was pretty good on its own, but it really could go. This is where everything changed for the yeah. better, or this is where it all fell apart. Yep. Depending on where the rest of the season goes, and I don't want to put that on Yoki. You right. know, like I don't want to. I don't. You know, oh, I, would, I, don't, I would I hate don't. for him to like get stressed out. Like, oh god, my episode. Everyone's judging the season on this one episode. I'm like, he did great. Well, the, the episode is, is great. It, it, we're just talking about what this means for the bigger picture, and so far, it looks scary. It's this very, Only right now, starting right now, it looks a little scary. It's very much the same thing that we had with Davy Perez's episode where. Abraxas became just a guy in a box rather than that's his we don't want to put that on him as the writer because that's not is his this, call it's not his call this feels like this could be part of the major narrative for the season and really this will be a turning point for yeah. better or worse we can only tell with future episodes so again yeah. solid episode on its own whether or not the narrative for the season will be remembered for better or worse at this point depends on <laughs> It could literally it go either or worse. It could yeah. literally go either way. Yeah, We're at that, a turning point. And that's why I'm not getting frustrated or upset. I'm just right. getting a little nervous. A little cautious. Because I don't want people to misconstrue my words. This season right. is I am I'm enjoying this season. But I'm Let's, seeing some things that could end up yeah. happening he's, that scares me. He's seen some shit. Yeah, I've I, I'm like like the Gorgon. I'm seeing. <laughs> I'm seeing ahead. And he's I eating see, some eyeballs. Or some kind of balls. I I think 
with our. I'm gonna <laughs> eat Dab's eyeball so I can hopefully oh, see what he has planned. And I stop him from ever writing. Again. Oh, oh, come on. Positive show. No, he'd have to cut his hands off. It'll be, oh, Jesus. It, it'll, I think this will be really one of those moments where when we do our quarter reviews as part of Patreon, yeah. that'll be really when we know Agreed. how this comes together. Yeah. So a couple, some, some B's pretty much all around yeah. here. Are Let's, you just grading it for me? Boom, I am. Bees. Yes. If you're not going to, I'm going to. I didn't give it a grade. So I gave it can... a B question mark from Mike. Okay. <laughs> that way no one can hold you to it. Deliberately. He gave it a B. Uh, Actually, I didn't. <laughs> you did. So let's look at some people from Facebook, what they thought. Uh, Madeline Stark says, while watching the beginning of this episode, I thought the antagonist was going to be like the one from Dog Dean Afternoon, but I'm glad <laughs> he was different. Uh, on the subject of the antagonist, I would have preferred just a little more uh, lore behind him because we were getting a new monster, but it wasn't anything that would have ruined the episode. Jack and his progression as a character I felt is going very well, despite me screaming at the screen as he's shedding away his soul. Uh, he is determined to save and protect those he cares about most, a true Winchester. And again, that fits into the Anakin idea of like, don't do this, you idiot, even though you're trying to save people. Every time I watch that fucking movie. Yeah. The ending was satisfactory, but depending on how the rest of the season shapes, thank you. Depending on how the rest of the season shapes up, I might feel different about it later. Is Michael actually dead? How much soul does Jack have left? Is it uh, is it not enough? And with his renewed power, may he become the soulless antagonist for season 15? Or may the antagonist be the entity from the empty coming to wreak havoc and collect Castiel as his life is on the upswing? And finally, I'm glad that Michael is dead and the subject is over with. I'm really happy uh, with how this season has handled the myth arc. But I'm just wasn't or but it just wasn't something I wanted to still be watching by the time the finale came rolling around. This season has been very dynamic and focused, and I'm happy it's been the way uh been this way. And even though I'm not a fan of the Michael scenario, it doesn't mean I was it wasn't handled well as it progressed. I'm excited to hear what you all have to say about this episode and the supposed death of Michael, as well as the apocalypse world folks. Keep keep strong and carry on. Uh that is something that the death of like every hunter it was pretty it was pretty dark. I did like that. I'm not gonna lie. Uh Sharon Graydon says, I liked this episode. Have to admit that I'm glad uh that all the AU bunker buddies are toast. <laughs> oh, I did I, I did laugh because I'm like, oh look at Maggie having all that responsibility. And then oh, failing. look at Maggie's dead. Ah, <laughs> her eyes have burnt out. Bummer. I, I liked that it upped the stakes for one. Like I'm people just glad those died. freeloaders aren't in there anymore. That's what you get for not paying rent. Yeah. Uh, with Apocalypse Fucking Universe, assholes. Michael. Good thing Mary didn't hang out for much longer. <laughs> or Bob. Bobby, yeah. yeah. Well, no. Uh, with Apop Apocalypse Universe, Michael gone, question mark, as well. Does that just leave fake Bobby and fake Charlie from the Apocalypse Universe? Oh. If they die, will that reset things with Billy since all the Apocalypse Universe trespassers will be gone? That's like oh, saying wait, I'm going to That's like saying I'm going to steal candy from a store but then eat it and that makes <laughs> that makes it all better, right? Well, yeah, it's gone. It's, yeah, well, it's the same difference. It's not a crime same, then, right? Yeah, well when you stand there and eat the hot dog in Circle K, did you really even steal the hot dog? You got to watch you got to watch out for that person. She, she's a thief. <laughs> <laughs> that's Reasoning. Yeah. Like, did uh, you even really steal the hot dog? You ate it in the Circle well, K. If you can't see it, did I really take it? Yeah. Exactly. Was there ever a hot dog? Yeah. Uh, Lauren McCabe says, Dab <laughs> happened, dabbing it up again. That's all I'll say. <laughs> we didn't even say it. Yeah. We were more positive this time. Dab. 
So. <laughs> I, I think the consensus is. I like how we started our thing. Like, I know, right? <laughs> bitch I'm sure dad. he does. It. Dude, oh, he someone it. was tweeting us the other day doing that. Bitch dad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then Robert Barron's liked it. No. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, that would be funny. Oh, I would love amazing. that. Just once, like the last day you work there, just just like that. Yeah, after this shows. <laughs> all right, so I think the consensus is basically it all kind of this episode will hit or miss depending on it's where things 50 go. Or Fifty. Yeah, I think that's fair to say that not yeah. every episode yeah, not, yeah, not is going to stand on its own. It's it's a part of a whole, right? Right. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, so with the upcoming episode, Ryan, can you give us a synopsis for episode I, fifteen? Yes, uh, peace of mind is the title. And it's, Thanks. <laughs> sorry, uh, Sam and Castiel follow uh, a case to a picturesque little town in Arkansas. <laughs> Ar- Arkansas. After all that. Uh, after all that. Okay. Arkansas. Maybe Arkansas. That's why I said it. No, oh, is that? Because <laughs> I saw that. Uh, picturesque little town in Arkansas, only to find out nothing Arkansas. is as <laughs> idyllic as it appears to be. Dean and Jack take a road trip to visit an old friend. The episode uh, will be directed by Phil Scrooge and written by Megan Fitzmartin and, and Steve Yoki. Is Megan Fitzmartin? Is that new? Is a new new, She's new? face? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Does she story, look right? I'm gonna look her up right now. Story by Megan Fitzmartin, and then she and Steve Yoki are writing this. We one. judge writers first by their appearance, yep, and I'm then secondly on their, their talent. Marriage. I'm looking her up right now. Oh. <laughs> Uh, it, it's interesting to have somebody new this late in the game. Although at the same time, this because it is teleplay by somebody who is not a traditional writer, it could be more of a throwaway episode. And if you've seen the trailer, that's definitely the vibe. Yeah, but Steve, it seems to Steve give Yoki did the uh, story though. D- Steve Yoki back to back episodes could be interesting as well. Maybe he's kind of got something else left over. From his previous episode that oh, might bleed two, into maybe? Oh. It's very rare that a writer does back-to-back episodes, except for maybe the showrunner bum, bum, bum. with That's finales right. and premieres. That's right. So maybe there's something more to this one. That could be cool. I'd, I'd appreciate it. And I'd like to see what Megan Fitzmartin has to bring to the table. And New Blood is always dangerous, risky to those hardcore fans of us, but it is a way in which we get new ideas and new things we haven't seen before. Yo, Megan, DM me. Yo, Megan. <laughs> At Michael underscore Flores. Oof. Hit me up, girl. Sliding them DMs with the... Her first episode, she's not going to even get a chance. She's all, these guys are disgusting. <laughs> these guys are gross. I will never talk to these fuckers. Oh, gee, she calling us fuckers? Why right does the everybody game? sound like uh, some Perez Hilton? 14-year-old Valley girl? <laughs> Whatever, <laughs> Or bitch. Perez Hilton. Perez Hilton, yeah. Fair enough. Whatever. All right. Well, that is going to do it here for Supernatural The Crossroads. We've got six episodes left for season 14. Still about 25%. But as Ryan said, it's time to start shitting or get off the pot because we've got things to do. Yep. So thank you all for listening, and we will see you all next time. You little maggot. You are no longer a part of this story. Hey, ass butt.